0: Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative Giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey.
1: Hello, Creative Giants. This is episode 45, and I'm delighted to have Ryan Hack with me today. Ryan is an author, speaker, and blogger who launched his website livingonehanded.com at the end of 2011. He writes about his experiences and perspectives as a person born with a physical difference and makes videos showing how he does various activities, not only how to show how he does it, but to give hope to others that they can figure out their own way to do it too. Ryan recently released his first children's picture book, Different is Awesome, which aims to help kids, parents, and teachers explore the concept of our differences being the very characteristics that make us awesome. Ryan lives in Wisconsin with his wife, Julie, and three kids, Sam, Anna, and Claire. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us today and for the great work that you do. Hey, thanks for having me, Charlie. I'm really excited to be here. Alrighty, So, this is going to be a fun conversation. I'm, I'm really interested to see where it goes, but... We always focus on origin stories to give people an idea of, of what gets you started. Now, part of your origin story is their first origin story, and we might mm-hmm. go back there. But let's talk about your um, why you started your website in 2011.
0: Yeah, sure. So you're right. It does go all the way back to be being born with one hand, uh, but it really didn't make consciously it didn't make a difference in my life for a long, long time. So, um, just a few years ago, um, I've always blogged, I've always written. So I always had, you know, like a, a Zanga blog and I had, you know, all of those ones that we've all had, uh, online. Uh, but then I went to a a restaurant, um, and I was there just by myself. And this woman came up to me, uh, kind of didn't run, but she was, she had a mission. (laughs) She came up to me and, and, uh, she had a little boy who had an arm just like mine. Um, and so she just kind of stood there and looked at us (laughs) and was like, you know, Hey, there's someone who's like you. Um, so we had a small conversation, um, and I had some small talk with him and it it was just one of those situations where I wanted to be like, Hey, everything's going to be fine, you know, and just help them understand that, everything will be cool. Um, And so I left there thinking, how can I help? What can I do to help in this situation? And it was really the first time i had ever thought um, about there being other people out there like me. (laughs) It had never really mattered to me before. Um, And so being confronted with it in that way, really kind of opened my eyes. um, And I said, Hey, I I love being online. I love writing. So let's just, you know, do something that way. So I, I actually wrote a post Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do at that point. Uh, I just wrote a post about that story and said, I want to do something, but I don't know what it's going to be yet. So that was kind of the beginning of, of how things started, um, with the website and and everything else that we're doing now.
1: So 2011, you're,
0: how old were you then? 30, I'm 32, 33.
1: So this blows my mind. And this is one of the things I adore about you, Ryan, is (laughs) Um, the fact that you have one hand is the thing that you forget. like it's like, oh yeah, yeah well, yeah. I mean not that you forget it, but you mm-hmm. know what I mean. like it, it's yeah, not absolutely. this big identity thing for you, and you're like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. there are other people who have physical differences right. too. So <laughs> how does one go to living to be 31 or two? I forgot already. Um, yeah
0: 32 33 32. Um, yeah. Yep. Um,
1: without really understanding that there's other people like you out there? I mean, I know that sounds weird.
0: Yeah. Um but, I know it sounds weird too, trust me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I so this is so it, it was very interesting to me because well to to answer the first part of your question as far as how did it how did I get there? I had an incredibly supportive family, um incredibly supportive school, friends, um everyone, you know, to a person. In fact, when I started the website, I started asking friends that I grew up with, like, what was it like to grow up with me? And what did you think? Um, and every one of them said, well, first of all, they all started saying really stupid stuff, (laughs) (laughs) nothing about my arm. And I was like, you guys no, I'm focused on my arm here. Like (laughs) what role did that play in our relationship? And every one of them said it was not a big deal to you. So it wasn't a big deal to us. Yeah, And it just was a, it was a side note. It really wasn't anything that I was concerned with. I was very active. I could do anything that I wanted to do. I played a lot of sports. And, and so it just was never really in the forefront of, of my mind, all regular kid and teenage stuff was. Um, And so even when I did, you know, when I started the, the website, I had no idea what people were concerned with, (laughs) you know, I was like, okay, so first of all, I need to Understand the concept that there are other out, you know, other people out there who are like me, which I just didn't even think about before. But then also, I was like, okay, well, what kinds of things do they deal with? What kind of struggles do they have? What kind of things can I help them with? So I actually had to go do a bunch of research and go to you know message boards and chat rooms and um, other groups that already existed and just see what were people asking questions about. You know, how could I actually help? Um, so that was, it was eye opening. And and it really, to this day, it still is amazing how many people um, are affected by it. And and it's one of those things where, you know, when you buy something, like I say, you buy a, a Honda Accord mm-hmm. and suddenly all you see on the road are Honda Accords. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that for me, where I'm sure I saw people all the time for 30 some years who had a limb difference of some sort but I just never paid attention because it didn't matter to me. Um, and now that I'm doing this work, I do notice it. And people pointed out to me, "Oh, I have an aunt who has one hand," or "Oh, my teller at the bank has one hand." Or you know, people always tell me that stuff. Like, I maybe I know them or something. <laughs> but, You're like, "Oh yeah, John. Oh yeah, John. Yeah, oh, of course, that guy. Yes, we yeah, know each other. We had, had an we awkward had high, high five moment. moment. Oh yeah, man, that's exactly, <laughs> it's exactly right.
1: yeah. So." You know, it reminds me of W. B. Du Bois, and um, one of the things that we get from one of his books is about the double veil that, in his context, he was talking about colored people, right, Um, in his language. Um, But when you have a difference um, that's that's different from the majority, a lot of times you have a double veil. You have the way that you see yourself, and you have the way that they see you, and then you get this weird sort of identity thing because you're always trying to figure out which one is but but you didn't have one of the veils which is really fantastic for me right and that you didn't like oh yeah like that might be awkward for other people right type of thing yeah
0: right right yeah that's true i mean there are very few um very few awkward situations i guess for me personally you know like growing up um whenever you played games and you had to you know everybody had to hold hands that was somewhat awkward, but, it, you know, it wasn't something that I obsessed over or that, you know, made me cry or anything like that. And part of that, I think, is just, you know, my personality and and the way that I was raised and, and just was not really that sensitive about that. But it is interesting, though, you know, like you said, it's I, I didn't really deal with that growing up because I was just since I was born this way, that is the only way I knew. Um, and so it wasn't something where I needed to adapt anything. I was just learning as I went. Um, so people ask me that all the time, like, well, how, how did you adapt, you know, to learn how to catch a baseball or how to tie your shoes or swing a bat or, you know, play basketball. And I just asked them, well, how did you do it? <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. you know, however you did it, that's how I did it. It, it was just that I had one last, one less hand, yeah. you know, so it was a different way of doing it. But the, the process of it was exactly the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, So that other people who may not be looking at you, may not have seen you know kind of the context of where we talk about, um, tell us about really, um, your left arm and just really how that, what that looks like. So people get an idea in their head with that.
0: Yeah, sure. So my left arm comes down, uh, just past the elbow. Um, and so there's probably about two or three inches of, of my arm that goes just beyond my elbow. And I do have, um, uh, the ability to bend that and use that. I use it actually quite a bit. Um, in fact, I, uh, I broke this arm, uh, in 2008, my smaller arm. Um, and so I have a steel plate and seven screws in there now, which was quite the experience when I would not wish on anyone else. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, after the fact, I was like, well, I'm glad I broke that one and not my other one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, when we when we think about bionic, bionic arms, we normally don't think yeah. about you know ones that end at the elbow, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit before the interview and, and when I met you at WDS. Like, mm-hmm. um, one of the things I love is that you're able to talk about it, right? Because that's part of True. part of being on a side when you notice someone that has a physical difference. No matter how much you love people and you want you know you want to engage with them, sometimes you're like, I don't know what's cool to talk about, can we, yeah. is this something we can, like, do we need to look away from it, or, mm-hmm. you know, can we just not joke about it, or what's going on, and right. you, you're very positive about that, and that's one of the great things about you, but have you always been that way, or was that just one of those things where it's like, you realized? well, tell us how you got there.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, that's a good question, and and it's something that I think I've always been open about it. Um And it it really does run the gamut as far as how people react and how they want to engage. I mean, I've encountered people myself who just do not want to talk about it at all. And so then it's even awkward for me. (laughs) Because I'm like, sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, because I'll go up to people and tell them about the website and stuff. And most people are totally cool about it, but some people are just like, I do not want to talk about this. Um, But I I feel like I've always been open about it. I know that when I was a kid, My parents, actually, my mom actually just told me this a little while ago that when I was in elementary school, I would go in and on the first day of school, I would just stand in front of the classroom and I'd say, hey, my name is Ryan Hack. I have one hand. This is the way I was born. I can do anything any of you guys can do. Do you have any questions? And then the class would ask a couple questions or whatever, and then it would be done. Well, my parents didn't put me up to that. And they had no idea I was even doing that <laughs> until like my second or third grade teacher called them and was like, we just think it's really great, you know, that Ryan, you know, kind of took control of this and really put himself out there. And they were like, he did what? <laughs> 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 They're like, well, that sounds like him, but we didn't put him up to it. So that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, it's just um, I- I'm also a huge fan of. Uh, like Brené Brown and, you know, just vulnerability and and kind of just being open about that. And I, and I know that for me, I'd much rather be positive about it um, and gracious with people than walk around being angry all the time. Like that just does not appeal to me <laughs> in any yeah. way. Um, I would rather assume that people are trying to be nice to me, you know, if they want to hold the door or want to get something for me. I'd rather just be gracious and allow them to do that nice thing than to be angry and belligerent. <laughs> and so that's kind of my uh, my philosophy, I guess, as far as talking about it and being open about it. Um, because I'm in a position, I feel like, where I can teach people, too. Because you had mentioned just a minute before about when you meet someone who maybe they look different than you, you're not quite sure what to do. <laughs> you know, yeah. And I totally get that. I'm the same way. I mean, I'm a person who has one hand and I still feel like that sometimes when I meet people who have a specific look and I don't exactly know what to do so it's it's always something that that we're learning I think
1: yeah it's completely different but um, you know I was raised in the south and so I have sort of you know the door opening thing about me and there have been certain places in in the United States to where I've really offended um, mm-hmm. especially a woman because i open the door for her and that's just what yeah, you right. do and you're like i can open the door myself and i don't yep. need i'm like whoa hey like <laughs> i'm
0: just being nice man
1: this is just what you do right uh-huh. <laughs> um right. Yep. and so it's, it's just one of those types of things granted a lot different than, than what we're talking about there but i i think that's what i love and that's what you know I wanted to come in and talk about what you're doing in the world but and it's this very similar reason why we talked to Glenda Watson Hyatt and I don't know maybe episode 8 I, I, one of these days I need to put the numbers up but um, episode 8 because she has a bit of the opposite side she gets in trouble because she, she really and, and she said this so it's not Charlie she said that she often um, goes out of her way to do it herself and not let mm-hmm. other people help her um, yeah. to
0: prove that point but she's working through that right now you know Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that's, it's a common thing. I mean, it, it, um, there are a few, I'm trying to, th- I can't think of names right now, but there are a few people who, um, I really believe it is something that you work through. Um, because there is a point where, um, th- I mean, there was a point in my life when I was a little younger where I, I refused help at, at every turn, you know, um, I worked at a hardware store for a while and, The owners there were this older couple and they were constantly, they they weren't following me around, (laughs) but every time there was like, oh, you need to get a bag of softener salt or needed to get, you know, something that was slightly heavy. They would, they would swoop in and they would want to do it. And I'd be like, no, I got it. I'm fine. Like I will take care of it. And so there is definitely an element to that of being like, I don't want you to pity me, and but once once you become I think comfortable enough with yourself to know that you can do it, then you don't really have anything to prove, you know because this person at the supermarket who's going to grab something for me and put it in my cart, why do I need to prove something to them? You know they're just trying to be nice, and I'm never going to see them again, <laughs> so why not just say thank you and and move forward? you know I think that's a lesson
1: we can all learn I was in different ways, dealing with that earlier today, the people being really, really nice to me, I didn't know what to do with it. Right, like mm. it's like you know, how about just say thank you, <laughs> just yeah, say right. thank you. <laughs> um, exactly. Have you listened to um, the art of asking or read the art of asking by Amanda Palmer?
0: I have. Um, I have not read it, but I know of it, and I love Amanda Palmer.
1: Dude, you gotta listen to the audiobook, listeners. Yeah. You gotta listen to the audiobook version of it because there's this whole. I don't know if it's a chapter or whatever, cause it all kind of ran together in yeah. the audio book, but she was talking about all of our problems with taking help. And then at a certain mm-hmm. point it's like, take it right. Yeah. Uh, right. Just, yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. It's interesting. And I, and I feel like that's kind of something that is ingrained in us, like just in our society that we, we are a, you know, whatever bootstraps and blue collar. And, you know, you go make yourself, you know, make something of yourself and you do it your, on your own. and, you know, it's just the society of, there's this stigma attached, I think, to getting help from other people. Um, I mean, I know even with, you know, so I did a Kickstarter project for, for my book. Um, and even that concept was lost on a lot of people I know that were like, oh, you're just getting handouts and you're not doing anything. And I was like, wait, 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 do you have any idea what's involved in this? (laughs) Like, you're missing the concept. I mean, even my my own dad actually struggled for a while. I think the problem was my dad thought that I was quitting my job (laughs) to do the Kickstarter project, and he could not separate the two. I was like, no, I'm not quitting my job. This is to help get the book published. And so once he got that, but it, it is a foreign concept, I think, to a lot of people, and a difficult one. To, to be in a position, because usually I think we, we view receiving help as being weak.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that if, if I need your help, it means that I can't do it by my own, therefore I'm weak. Um, like I, I know a guy, this guy, Kyle Maynard, who he doesn't have full arms or legs. All four of his limbs are affected. And he, I remember him telling me he used to get mad because he would go to like a sporting event. And they would offer to, you know, take him all the way down to the front row and, you know, wheel him there or do some special thing. And he was like, nope. And every time I just got so angry and I would tell him, no, I can do it. And I would, you know, get down there and crawl down there myself. And, you know, so it's, it's just this thing where we, we just want people so badly to think that we can do it on our own, that we get in our own way <laughs> and we don't allow people who want to help us. To give us that that extra bit that we need.
1: Do you think it's that it's like you don't want to be different in a way? You know, and that's what I was thinking when I was thinking of Kyle is like he doesn't want his difference to be on display in a way. Mm-hmm. Whereas if he can do it himself, the idea is if he can do it himself, he's like, I'm no different. Yeah, But that's kind of not true, right? He's not right. At, a, at a basic sort of what really counts as a human. He's not different. But, mm-hmm. you know, does that make yeah. any sense?
0: It totally makes sense, um, and I think you know. Even when I titled my book um, "Different is Awesome," in this in in a community made up of people who have like a physical difference, something that's visible, words are huge. <laughs> so, disability or different ability or diffability or differently abled or you know whatever it happens to be, there is this dual nature of um i'm not i'm not any different than you but then also bringing awareness to the fact that i am different than you <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so it's it's very it's really interesting you know kind of being in the mix now of of this community for you know a number of years just kind of seeing how different people um view it you know because like different a lot of people don't like that word and it's it's uh, they feel like it's alienating or yeah, I'm not normal. And, you know, but I, I want to be normal. I want to be a part of the crowd. I don't want to be put off to the side because I'm different. And like what I'm trying to do is say, well, the fact of the matter is I am different and being different is awesome. Like, and, and kind of claiming that as our own. And it, and I think it works in our culture now, um, even though we have a long way to go, I, I feel like. Um but it is something that we can grab hold of and, and kind of own, you know? And that's my goal with it is, is really to say, you know, like you said, the fact of the matter is, you know, and it could be anything. Fact of the matter is I'm in a wheelchair and most people aren't. Or I have dark skin and everyone else in my class doesn't. Or I'm six four and everyone else in my class is five feet tall. Mm-hmm. Like those are clearly visible differences that you can't deny. And so, why why deny it when you can embrace it and try to own that and make it something positive?
1: Absolutely. And when it comes down to it, it's one of Seth's books. is We're all weird in different ways. We're all yeah, different. Right? You're, <laughs> you know, know you're, you're that one um, woman that's in a tech startup with a bunch mm-hmm. of guys. That makes you different, right? It yeah. doesn't mean that you should be treated differently, but it just makes you different. Or... You're the parent that had, had, a, you know, had a child when you were 42 as opposed to earlier. Like all those things, it's those differences yeah. that make us awesome and beautiful, right? And it's, mm-hmm. I think the more that we try to like push that away, it's not something we can talk about. If we can't talk about it, we can't be seen. If we can't be seen, well, if we can't be looked at, there's a difference, right? But it, you know what I'm saying? Like we really yeah. can't be seen if we're trying to push things away from that.
0: Yeah. Yep. I agree. I, I totally agree with that.
1: Um, so let's talk about your Kickstarter. You started a Kickstarter. Why? Well, let me let me put it in context. Like people listening, and maybe we're at the point in 2015 where like we realize that a Kickstarter is a lot of work, right? It's not just right. like hey, you put up a page and people give you money. It's not right. quite how it works out. So it's a lot right. of work. Um, how did you decide to do a Kickstarter, and, and how was that a particularly good project for you?
0: Yeah. You know, my experience was really, really good. Um, I So I, I had the concept, the idea for, for this children's book. Um, and so just to give a little background of that, um, when I was younger than I am now, one of my younger brothers uh, was in elementary school and he brought me in for show and tell um, and just kind of sat me in front of the class and said, here's my brother. He has one hand, ask him questions. Uh, and so the kids asked me questions and they asked me like three questions, and then it turned into like, "Do you, you know, do you like the movie Tommy Boy?" And I was like, "How do you even know what that? Like, you're in like third grade. How do you, know?
1: <laughs> <That> <laughs> you <know>? inappropriate?" So, <laughs> I need to talk right? to you. I was <laughs> like,
0: "This is interesting." Um, but it was that that experience stuck with me, and it and so then once I got into you know starting livingonehanded.com, I was like, I feel like this story idea would be really good. Um, and then I actually connected with another author um, named Judith Casely a friend of mine had texted me one of her books called Harry Willie and Carrot Head. And it's a, a children's picture book. And one of the characters has one arm mean, um, a prosthetic arm. And so she was like, Oh, I thought you'd like this. And so I ended up interviewing her for my podcast and uh, told her this idea. And she was like, well, that's your book. You need to write that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, so I spent quite a while writing the book. Um, and then, you know, once I, was able to convince uh, the illustrator, Wes Molbash, who maybe people know. Um, Wes Molbash is, is unbelievable, uh, incredible artist. And so he agreed to partner with me. And so we decided, you know, I, I laid everything out financially to figure out where, where are we? How much is this actually going to cost? What do we need to get to? Um, and then I had some other friends who have done many Kickstarters. Um, one of them, Kyle Sheely, um, has done several that were some were duds, some were incredible successes. And so I felt like I had some mentors who were behind the project and, and said, we really think that this can be something that's positive. Um, and so that's, that's why I went with Kickstarter, just because I felt confident that we would succeed. Um, and I felt like it would be a broad, like it's a specific appeal but it's a broad message, if that makes sense. Um, I felt like it was a message that reach could reach a lot of people, and and I'm big into social media, so I have a big, you know, Facebook presence, Twitter presence, Instagram. I'm on Pinterest, but I don't do a lot on there <laughs> to be honest. But I just felt like it was it was a message that could spread quickly and and widely. Um, so I we went that direction, and it was. I mean, from the first day, it was it was a success. Like you could just feel that it was was going that direction. Um, so I really had a, an awesome time uh, with the Kickstarter project itself.
1: So, what was your goal, and what ended up happening? And kind of walk us through that.
0: Sure. So the the target was twenty five thousand, um, and I think one of the biggest pieces uh, for me was the video. Um, I had a friend, uh, Mike, who makes videos for. Uh, he works with Intervarsity, uh um, he did um, in their media department. Traveled all around the world making incredible videos. So I knew he could could do that. So we made a short, um, you know, three or four minute video. Um, he made it beautiful. Um, I used a track actually from the band Sleeping at Last. Um, I met Ryan O'Neill at a, an event one time and. Asked him if we could, you know, use one of his songs, and he said that was cool. Um, so people still, I mean, it's it's over a year after it was last May, May of 2014. People still talk to me about that video, <laughs> and still talk about how much it impacted them. So that was a huge piece of that puzzle. Um, and then just did a lot of of sharing, a lot of pre-launch work. Um, you know, anybody who does a Kickstarter is going to tell you that first day or two is huge to get that ball rolling. Um, and so I had a lot of people that I was just very specific with in saying, I know you're going to back this and I'm so grateful for it. And I would love for you to all do it on day one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and please, just don't, get wait. That, please exact, don't wait. Please <laughs> like, don't wait. Don't wait till week two. Just day one, jump on it and share it all day long. Just get it out there. Um, And it was also huge to have kind of an existing audience. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll be honest. I mean, the majority, I ended up with over 500 backers for the project, um, which was really satisfying to me because what it told me was it wasn't just a few people who gave huge amounts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't three people who gave five grand. It was... A ton of people buying one or two books, um, which meant to me they were connecting with the message, which is exactly what I wanted. Um, And it's still happening today, you know, now that it's actually released. But I mean, so so it was a very a lot of people when you go through a Kickstarter, they'll tell you, you know, the first week or two, you'll see the numbers kind of going up and up and up and then it'll plateau And then you're going to want to hide in your room and cry (laughs) and then you're going to get really sad. (laughs) Um, And then hopefully at the end, you know, it'll come through. Um, For me, the number just kept going up and up and up the whole time. Like there was never a lull. Um, We ended up at over, uh, over 29,000, so we're almost at 30,000. So it was incredibly successful. For me, it was a very positive experience, very few negatives, like really, really cool just to see a community, a global community of people come together for a message that they believed in and that I believed in.
1: Absolutely. And so you, we kind of mentioned it in in passing, but what is the message of the book?
0: Sure. So the message of different is awesome is that different is awesome but also, <laughs> so, so that at its core, but really what it is, so it's, it, it really just retells that story of a little boy brings his brother to class for show and tell. All of his classmates get to ask him questions about how he does things like play basketball, play golf, um, tie his shoes, how does he jump rope? But along the way, you, you see that each of the kids who are asking the questions also have a difference. Um, whether that is, they have green eyes or maybe they have red hair or they're wearing glasses. Um, one of them is in a cast. One of them's missing his two front teeth. You know, so you see these things that along the way you're like, oh, well, we're all different in some way. So by the end of the story, the message is we're all different somehow. And that makes us awesome. And so it ends the, the last page says, what makes you awesome? Um, And so it it really fosters this discussion with, you know, with families and in classrooms of saying, hey, you know, we're all different somehow. So in in that way, we are all more alike than we are different. Um, But recognize, you know, not ignoring our differences, but accepting our differences and saying, okay, how, you know, how does that make us awesome? How can we embrace that and make it a positive thing? Um, So it's been, it's been awesome to hear the stories of of people and and kids kind of getting and exploring that concept.
1: That's fantastic. And I believe that ties into your more fundamental belief that everyone is valuable just as they are, right?
0: Yes. Yep. I think that that is, it's a a fundamental truth that when we believe that it will change lives, it'll change our life, that'll change the lives of those around us. Um, When I go in, you know, I'm, I'm a speaker also and, and I go into schools and, a lot of people have said, "Oh, so you're an anti-bullying speaker?" Like, "Oh, that makes sense because you have one hand." <laughs> you just so really
1: jump to anti-bullying. You, you, I would not have seen right. that one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know, but the but the idea is what they're thinking is, "Oh, you have one hand, so you must have been bullied, so you can really speak to that." Well, the yeah. fact is, I was never ever bullied, not once. Well, true I story. That Ryan was the bully. Yeah, this It's true. Did I tell you that? Shoot. <laughs> I so, <laughs> I don't know if he. I, I don't know if he'll hear this. Rat. My very first day of kindergarten. I was six or seven years old. I have one hand, right? Just so we're clear, we're we're all on the same page here, right? I have one hand. We discussed that. Yeah. Yes. My first day of kindergarten. I got sent to the other room because I made fun of another kid's name. <laughs> I was like, what kind of name is that? Going on and on. We ended up becoming like best friends through elementary school. So it turned out fine. But yes, I, you know, I never had that. uh, You know, there was one time that I remember ever being bullied and it was a really lame attempt. So I don't even, it didn't make a difference at all. Um, But when I go into schools, it isn't about anti-bullying for me. There are plenty of people who talk about anti-bullying and are really good at that. My thing is recognizing the value in yourself will will in and of itself eliminate a lot of that because if I value myself, I will therefore value other people because I'm seeing you know if I'm valuable, they're valuable also. So I need to I'll treat them that way. And so that's kind of how I address kind of the, the bullying aspect is I, I don't I don't talk about it kind of head on, but I teach kids, you know, you know, I love asking kids, first of all, if they know what being valuable means, like, cause that's a, that's kind of an abstract concept, especially for a kid, you know? So when I say, what does it mean to be valuable? And just hearing their answers is so great because they, they do get it, but it's, it's a hard concept to get for them. So like, one of the things I tell them is, you know, if someone goes into your, you know, comes and, and robs your house, like, what do they take? they don't take the milk, you know, (laughs) they don't take, um, a plate, you know, they take your TV because it's valuable. It's worth a lot. And so that, you know, kind of helps them to understand, Oh, okay. So I, I'm important. Like I I'm valuable. I'm worth something. Um, and I don't, you know, as I stand up there and I talk to these kids, I don't know what their home life is. I don't know what they hear at home. I don't know if they're told that they're worthless or that they can't do anything right, um, or that they'll never amount to anything. And so for me, it's an honor to, to be able to stand up there and say, hey, I think you're valuable just the way that you are. And I want you to try to, to believe that too, no matter what other people tell you. Um, and so that's a huge thing for me to be able to to talk about with them and, and try to help them understand so that it changes their life and changes the lives of the people around them.
1: That's beautiful, Ryan. That's beautiful. Thanks, man. So wrapping things up here, if mm-hmm. people remember nothing else about you and your body of work, what do you want that one thing to be? Ooh.
0: that people would feel encouraged uh, and valuable um, based on the, the work that I'm doing, you know? So whether it's the website or the podcast or the videos or, you know, the book, whatever it happens to be, whatever I'm doing, that it would give people hope that they would feel encouraged um, and that they would, you know, that they would know that they're valuable.
1: Alrighty. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ryan.
0: Yeah, it was my pleasure, Charlie. Thanks a lot for having me on. It was super fun.
1: (laughs) Okay. Creative giants. So you've heard it from Ryan hack. We're all valuable and our differences are what makes us awesome. So how can you honor the differences within yourself? And really see the differences in other people so they can bring us together. Until next time, stand tall.
0: Thanks for listening to the Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, Creative Giant.